We're all about strengthening women's personal lives. Welcome to Elevate Women with Aisha Skygates. Hello, I'm Aisha, and today I have a guest that I'm so happy to sit with. This is Catherine Golub. She is a work-life coach whose clients are primarily women change makers who are burned out, overwhelmed, and uncertain about what's next in their lives. Catherine helps women to get clear and confident about what's calling them next and to create joy-filled lives. Catherine, that all sounds good to me. (laughs) sounds good to me too (laughs) (laughs) thanks for coming thanks for having me Aisha I really am grateful to have this conversation with you and of course we are we're going to have a wonderful conversation together I would love for you to tell us a little something about your coaching work with women yeah sure so I have been coaching the last eight and a half years. I've had a full-time private practice coaching. And about five years into it, I did a kind of a research project. And I looked at all of the different words that my clients used to describe what they wanted when they first came to me. Prior to that, I had rebranded twice already. Uh, Once Radical Self-Care Now was the first name of my coaching practice and then Core Brilliance Academy. And and I'd done a lot of business coaching for healers and focus on self-care with women and activists and something fell off and I um, was getting my MBA in collaborative leadership and did a project in big data and took all the intake forms that my clients were filling out to describe what they wanted when they came to me and the word that they used most frequently was clarity And that really brought into relief the fact that my clients primarily come to me because they're at a crossroads, they're at a transition moment, they're dissatisfied with how they've been working, how they've been living, and they are not quite certain. They know they want to change, but they're not quite sure what that is yet. And so I still work with clients on a range of issues, but at that point, I wanted to find the book to give my clients to help them get clear about what was next. I looked and I looked and I looked and I couldn't find that book. So I've spent the last three years writing a manuscript. I've recently completed the manuscript to support my clients. And it's a curriculum that I use with them. And uh, yeah, the, the working title is When You're Standing at Life's Gate, How to Get Clear and Confident About What's Calling You Next. And so that's the majority of my clients come to me because they're at that crossroads period in their, in their work lives. And I help them get clear about what's next. I recognize that. We both work with professional women and Mm -hmm. we see burnout so often and overwhelm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I want to try something with my clients who are so successful in their public life. I'm thinking that there's a kind of imbalance where work has just taken over Mm -hmm. and everything else in their life gets given short shrift, um, everything else in their life is judged by benchmarks that are set by work life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so it seems to me that one of their paths to healing is the reorienting and, mm-hmm. um, and beginning again from an internal place instead of those external benchmarks. What do you think? Absolutely. 
And one of the key changes that I find that not all of my clients are women, but the majority are. And I find that one of those pivotal reframes that they need is learning to reclaim desire. That women have been socialized to denigrate desire and to ignore what they, I use the words desire, needs, and longing interchangeably. And women have been socialized to think that needs and desire and longings are dirty and are less than and are to be pushed into a closet. And so when I work with my clients, one of the it can be a big theme with a lot of clients learning to reclaim desire and and that it's not quote unquote needy to have needs. But when we can honor what we need, then we have needs for contribution and we have needs for play and we have needs for rest and we have needs for connection. And so when we learn to listen to our desires and our needs, then it's not, am I contributing to someone else or am I helping myself? It's, it's like, I'm honoring my needs and therefore I'm doing both. That's what comes to mind when you ask that question. Reciprocity. It's one mm-hmm. of those tenants in business life, right? Mm-hmm. And I find that pretty common. We women bring that concept into our intimate relationships so that it doesn't look pretty. It looks like us paying for the thing that would meet that desire or need of ours. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to give this and perhaps my intended partner will give me the thing that I'm actually after. In fact, mm-hmm. I can, there's a study out there that shows that some significant number of women are having sexual intercourse as a means to get the thing that they actually wanted, which was mm-hmm. touch just to mm-hmm. be held. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, when, I, when you said reciprocity, I thought responsibility. And it's not, responsibility is not necessarily about responsibility to others or responsibility to ourselves. But when we can honor our responsibility to life, then, or to needs in general, then we can know when to give and know when to receive, that we have a responsibility to receive and we have responsibility to give in order to be in in that flow and in that right relationship with, with whoever it is, whether that's our starting with ourselves, our partners, mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. children, mm-hmm. our colleagues, our yes. community. Yep. That's another good one. I like that. Which reminds me to ask you about something very important. You have an online course, the orientation practice, seven steps to clarity. Yeah. I know that everyone would love to hear about that. Yeah, sure. So Oftentimes people think about clarity as a project, as a one and done thing that, okay, I'm going to get clear about what's my next work life (laughs) path. And then I'll cross that clarity off my list. But the reality is that clarity is emergent. It's iterative. Clarity comes from this step and that step and this step and that step. And when I'm clear about what I want, when I reach that destination of what I want now, there will always be life is unfolding from within us. So we are always, there's always something next, some new decision, some next clarity to have. And so clarity isn't only a project, it's also a practice. And so I found that there are certain core questions that can help us to get clear step by step by step. And the orientation practices is a series of questions that when we ask them over and over and over, 
of ourselves, we can continue to get clear. So I tell my clients at the beginning of working with me, my job is to help them get clear about what's next, but also to develop the habits and the skills to continue getting clear for the rest of their lives. Mm. And so the orientation practice is, is that series of questions that it's a practice that can be done in, you know, once it's habitual and my work is all about developing habits. Mm. Once it's habitual, a few, 10 seconds, it, it takes a little bit longer <laughs> to learn, mm-hmm. but um, because I really want to make this work accessible to as many people as possible, I've developed an, a free online course called the Orientation Practice Seven Steps to Clarity. And so, yeah, I would, I offer it as a, as a gift to listeners and um, invite folks to, to go to my website. My website's Callings and Courage. I had mentioned the rebrands of my website a few years ago. I think I landed on the final name, which is the Center for Callings and Courage. And so they could go to my website and access the free course there. Callingsandcourage.com. Oh. Thank you very much. Callingsandcourage.com, which I promise I will mention again and that I'll put in the show notes. Thank you. Uh, So the word that's calling out to me right now Mm -hmm. is clarity Mm -hmm. and why someone would have a lack of clarity at one point or another in their life, which we all do. And I'm wondering, I'm thinking that one of the reasons one would have a lack of clarity at some point might have to do with some early ideas about who they think they are. I do a lot with countering female enculturation, so they might have limiting beliefs, don't you think? Uh, Absolutely. And as they work those through, then they're not held by them anymore. Mm -hmm. No, I Absolutely. The reason that we get stuck is because we have behavior patterns or belief patterns that are holding us back in one way or another. They're all developed to meet some need. But when you name the belief patterns, absolutely, a lot of my clients come to me with a lot of self-judgment and self-compassion is one of the key things that I mm-hmm. that they need to develop it's like we're looking at the world through channels of perception that are filled with all the stories about what we're capable of, what is possible. And in order to see reality clearly and to see possibility clearly, we need to shine light on those stories. And, and by shining light on them, we can let them go. Um, I really see the, I work a lot with the, the inner judge and I see the judge as the, you know, the voice of internalized oppression, whether mm-hmm whatever oppression that is, when we internalize those beliefs that we've been taught, however, whether we know how we were taught them or not, that those, the voice of the judge is the voice of internalized oppression. And we liberate ourselves by shining light on those stories and learning to choose ones that serve us more. I get asked fairly often, how can I stop negative self-talk or, you know, this belief or that is playing in my head. I can't seem to get rid of it. But I I think that you and I both, we have the message to women that no, you do not have to spend your whole life with that record player playing in your head that tells you you are less than, less than, for instance. Yeah, no, it, and it can be, I often have clients come to me saying, can you really help me you know, let go of these beliefs. And absolutely, and it doesn't actually have to be that hard. I learned many of the practices that I now teach um, about 10 years ago, and I did a really intensive year-long apprenticeship in the four agreements. 
And the work during that time, it was every single day I would journal and I would write down what is my inner, my inner judge saying and the inner, the inner victim, the part that blames other people or lashes out on other people. And by simply writing out those stories, that was, there's other practices that I've developed and teach now. But during that point, during that point in my life, it was a practice of just embodying a compassionate witness perspective and writing down what those stories were, not even trying to change them, not doing anything, just bringing them to light is incredibly transformative. And I see my clients become free from stories that they've held for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, just by noticing and observing and saying, oh, that was in my backpack. I've been carrying that all along, but yeah, I don't need to hold that anymore. So yeah, limiting beliefs like to hang in the shadows, don't they? Yeah, and it's when we, it's like the Billy Goat's gruff, we look under the bridge. When when my, when Kai, I have a 13-year-old Kai, when he was about five, he came home from school and his friend didn't want to share an orange with him. And I was like, oh, and it, he was really like, oh, you feel, you're telling, what are you telling yourself? And he said, oh, I think Jonah doesn't want to be my friend. And I was like, oh, there, that's the judge. And he said, oh, mama, that's my troll. It lives under the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. That works. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, hey, you're not that scary. Mm-hmm. I see you. Okay. Mm-hmm. What else is more true than that? <laughs> um, so I'd like to ask uh, something a little more personal. Are there life choices that you can see that you're making? that maybe those who came before you didn't or weren't able to? Yeah, well, I've been thinking a lot about my mother's, mother's, mother's lineage. A, a big part of my work is around, or my work, my outside of paid work, my activism in my life is around anti-racist or activism um, and immigrant rights. And, and it has been since I was in college. and. Recently, a couple of years ago, I really realized that I needed to look more at the line of my family that had been here since the early 1600s and really reckon with um, that history. And that is my, and of eight great grandparents, seven are uh, fourth or fifth couple um, generation immigrants. But there's one line, my, my mother's 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 line goes back to a lot of, I can't, you got a lot of ancestors when you go back that far, but um, goes back to a lot of the early 1600s. And that line has a lot of unwellness. Um, my, my mother has a lot of health issues. My mother's mother died of cirrhosis the day before I was conceived, was alcoholic. And the little bit that I know, it sounds like her mother had a lot of chronic illness. And so, and I was very sick as a child. Um, it was when after I was a teenager and was able to leave, be independent, and that I was able to be much, much more healthier. And so choices that are different, um, I feel like, I, I believe because I take responsibility for a lot of the patterns of my lineage and have done personal healing work on myself that may not have been accessible to the women who came before me in that line. I am able to make choices that both support me personally and take responsibility as, as a white woman for, mm-hmm. I believe, my role in this culture. So I could talk a long time about some different choices, but that's mm-hmm. what comes to mind when you ask that question. 
No, that is really deep. There's a psychic heritage that you're mm -hmm. referring to. I, I, I do understand what you're saying. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Thanks. Thank how, you for asking. Yeah. How about something that's just as important, but a lot lighter? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm learning. It's, it's something I'm learning. Light, lightness is an ongoing <laughs> journey for me. So welcome that question. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's about self-care. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So tell me about how you even think about self-care, let alone what you do for self-care. Well, again, that how I can think about it and what I do. So I think that self-care is honoring, honoring our needs and honoring our desires and honoring our longings. And so for me, it is a practice of coming back to curiosity about what, what I need. And so that can look all sorts of ways because any, um, we were talking earlier, you said like the bubble bath. I don't like bubble baths. <laughs> like, I don't like running, <laughs> right? So sometimes yeah. take a, go for a run and take a bubble bath. That would not honor my needs. <laughs> That's right. That's someone else's list. <laughs> <laughs> someone else's list. So for me, recently what it looks like in November, I started a practice of going out at sunrise almost every morning, really like there's been like three mornings I've missed since November before the sun rises and I sit and I have the privilege of having an Eastern facing, I live in a old poor farmhouse in, in Greenfield where we live, there's several apartments, but luckily they built this building to have an Eastern facing porch. And so I sit on the porch before the sun comes up and I journal and it takes, I, I don't time myself. Because at that time of the morning, you don't need to time yourself. You've got plenty of time. So it usually takes like <laughs> half an hour. Yeah. And I started just with the question, you know, what am I grateful for? And really observing the land and the birds and the trees. And, and I've since then added the a few other questions, including um, what does it mean to be in right relationship today? And what is my heart saying yes. today, right now? That's a beautiful um, question. Yeah. And that's just one of the different practices. More recently, I was been having a well, few weeks. I was having a hard time sleeping, and I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to exercise more often. I didn't really think that I needed that much exercise for myself. Luckily, taking lots of walks. This uh -huh. land is a wonderful host. Yeah. Um, even during COVID, I've been able to take lots of walks with friends. But I've been much more mindful over the last just the last few weeks. It's it's an iterative process, right? I haven't always struggled to sleep. There's last last month, I was like, I'm not sleeping, so I need to add. A little bit more exercise and it's helping so oh, good. it's a process of continuously coming back to the question because our needs will evolve and emerge and what do I need now and now and now yes yes yeah. right it's something I often teach to clients who have ignored the question what do I want for a very long time this can be such a daunting question to ask what do I want to do with the rest of my life what do I want to be when I grow up it's like no what do you want right now and they're like you mean go to the bathroom or like drink my coffee? Like, yes, you want a glass of water, <laughs> drink the glass of water. And by to not put pressure, that if you're asking the question and the part of you who's speaking at that moment for your wants or desires says, I don't know, mm -hmm. to, to honor that, say, hey, baby, I hear you. You don't know what you want right now. Mm -hmm. That's okay. I'm not going to pressure you to have the answer. Mm -hmm. And often there's a real sense of relief in that, right? There's <laughs> so... I would say if the answer you're getting is, I don't know, I hear you. Like to say to that part of yourself that's saying, I don't know, I hear you saying, I don't know. 
yeah. okay you don't need to know right now <laughs> and end in the pause and then you'll come back and promising that part of yourself that you will come back that's right you circle back <laughs> keep coming back right and yeah. I will listen to you again yeah yeah anytime I'll be there for you perhaps you'd like to reflect on elevate women's mantra mm. I have the right to my own personal happiness it's an important one you know, honestly, what comes up for me is it has to become the air that we breathe. Ooh. So if we don't think that we have a right to our personal happiness, then like, what, <laughs> like, what are we doing? Like, um, we've been taught. So there's like, there's stages of, I don't know. I read a book, Burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagoski recently. I highly, highly recommend it. And in it, they talk about, I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget haven't read this book yet, but they talk about um, this book, Down Girl, The Logic of Misogyny mm -hmm. by the philosopher Kate Mann. Mm -hmm. And she says that she named something called human giver syndrome. And that, let's say this philosophy, this, like, this framework, in this framework, there are human beings and human givers. And that for the most part over, you know, generalization, but men are socialized to be human beings and women are socialized to be human givers. And that human beings live to be and human givers live to give. And so I could think about my own life until my son was born, my orienting question was, or my orienting thought belief was, I have the responsibility to give as much as I possibly can. I have for so many different, for all my different privileges, I have the responsibility to give as much as I possibly can. When my son was born, I realized that in order to be, because the motivation of becoming a mother, in order to give to him, I had to give to myself. <laughs> so that's not, there you go. maybe I should, should just want to give to myself to give to myself. But, but anyway, it was highly motivating. Yes. And in many ways, it was a very trying, I gave birth, moved to Oaxaca, Mexico when I was seven months pregnant because his father had been deported and mm -hmm. trying to keep my baby with his dad and mm -hmm. all this but in that time, I needed to learn to give to myself first. Yes. And so there's to be a good mother, to be happy, to be, I have the right to my personal happiness, period. End of story there. I'm also really curious about the polarity of for now where I'm at, like I am very happy, <laughs> very lucky, very grateful. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about the polarity of I have a right to my personal happiness and so does everyone else. So how do we create systems that create a world in which, and what is my responsibility to myself and what is my responsibility to my other fellow beings? Yes. And, and that there's a polarity there that I have a right to my personal happiness. I keep, I keep drawing an infinity loop in the air that, you know, like a figure eight sign. On the one hand, I have <laughs> a right to my personal happiness. And on the other hand, I believe I have responsibility to my fellow humans to create systems that support their happiness as well. And so that, that's what I, I still grapple with. I see how I do that in my own life and how do we create systems that support both of those is, is, a, is a curiosity that I'm holding. So that's where my mind goes when you share that mantra. Well, I want to thank you for this wonderful conversation. It was lovely. I just love talking to you. Thank you. I've enjoyed it too. Thank you so much for this, this time together.
please tell us one more time about your course so that everyone sure. can find it. Yeah, so folks can go to callingsandcourage.com and there they'll, in the, the menu, I believe, they'll see free course. Um, there'll be several places to go on the website that they'll find this course, but um, go to the free course and then they'll read the page. And if it resonates, it's the orientation practice, the seven steps to clarity. If it resonates, I invite folks to sign up and it's designed as a week long. It's a very, <laughs> there's a lot that there's a lot that I'm giving there. It's very in-depth and yet, you know, it'll take like 10 to 20 minutes a day for seven days. Um, it includes audios and PDFs and reading and practices. And um, yeah, so I really, if it resonates, I invite folks to go check that out at callingsencourage.com. Thank you again. Thank you. I hope that you have enjoyed this Elevate Women episode. You can learn more about my guest and discover how to contact her by referring to my show notes. Please let us hear from you. Write comments wherever you listen to podcasts. If you do, you will be helping others to find Elevate Women. To learn more about Elevate Women Collaborative, its events, and how you can get involved, please visit elevatewomen.com. That's Elevate Women, W-O-M-X-N, elevatewomen.com. Thanks for listening today. Subscribe to Elevate Women Podcast so that you won't miss a single episode. Subscribe and keep listening to Elevate Women with Aisha Skygates.